our scripture reading this morning, I invite you to turn in your pew Bibles or Bibles you may have with you. The words are also up front here to Luke 2, 1 through 7. Our scripture reading is Luke 2, 1 through 7. Before we read, let's pray. Heavenly Father, it's so good to meet with your people, with brothers and sisters from many different places. Lord, all of us with many different things on our hearts and in our minds. Thank you for the unity that we have as a church and with all believers everywhere through the power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we pray now that as we go to uh, the Word, that you would illumine our hearts and minds, illumine us with the light of Jesus who came so many years ago to this earth in the flesh for our sins, to live and die and rise again for our salvation. And Lord, we know you are very much alive and working in this world and in your people and in our hearts today. We ask that you would meet us in a very special way now as we go to your word. May we hear your voice, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Luke 2, verses 1 through 7. Familiar verses. Let's listen carefully. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. That's God's word for us and to us this Christmas morning. Friends in the Lord, uh, during devotions with our family earlier this week at dinner, I told Sarah and the girls to try to guess what the key word in my sermon title would be. See, these are the fun games pastors' families play. I even gave them the text, Luke 2, 1 through 7. They guessed Bethlehem, it wasn't that. Jesus, it wasn't even Jesus. It wasn't child, it wasn't manger. None of those. And then they started reciting the verses word for word because, of course, at Timothy Christian, you learn those verses at a very young age, right? Uh, so they started reciting through the verses. And, and after a few more wrong guesses, they finally got the word. It's time. And that word is right in verse 6 that we read. While they were there, the time came. The time came. And that's our focus this morning. That little word has a lot to tell us on this Christmas day. That also happens to be the last Sunday of 2011, isn't it? And we're linking these verses and that verse and that word in particular with an Old Testament verse this morning. 
Listen to Psalm 31, verse 15. It's not the whole verse. It's the very first part of it. Psalm 31, 15. This is important for us too today. My times are in your hands. This is the psalmist speaking to God, praying to God, telling us this truth. My times, Lord, are in your hands. That reality is the best Christmas present that you could ever, ever receive. Your times are in God's hand. And just, just like a kid tears into a present, tears off that wrapping paper and then holds it up with big eyes and, and looks all around at the gift, we're going to look at that gift from a few angles this morning for just a little while. As we open this gift and as we explore it and gaze on it, we find, first of all, that the times of Christ's birth are our times. What we read, the Christmas story, it's not just an account of something that happened back there in history. This is an account of your life and your times too and mine. How is that possible? What do I mean by that? Well, let's take a look at the verses a little bit. You see how the text starts out. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the whole Roman world. Luke, you know, we have four Gospels. Luke's Gospel was written to the world at large, and he often had that big world picture in mind going beyond just the people of Israel. And we see that right here as he introduces the Christmas story. As every student learns, Rome ruled the Mediterranean region and beyond in this time of history. Rome was a world power at this time. Rome was an empire. In those days, a decree was issued by the Roman emperor, Caesar himself, And Luke is showing us here, as he tells us about how Jesus came to earth, he's showing us that God was God in those days. God was God in that time. God was in control over that time and over that world power even. How in control was the Lord? Completely. He was so completely in control that the birth of Jesus, God's son himself, is introduced by the name of Caesar Augustus, the ruler of the Roman Empire. Isn't that incredible? That world power had to cooperate with God and bend the knee to him because God was in control. In those days, he was in control, and he is in our world And in our time, too, he worked out his purposes then, and he's working out his purposes now. No matter if a nation ignores God, no matter if a nation is pushing God aside, no matter if a nation is openly rebelling against God and his ways, he remains sovereign. He will work out his purposes in history. Nothing can stop him. Nothing can thwart our God. 
We get sad sometimes when we think about where Christianity seems to be heading in our day and in our nation, don't we? Well, we're experiencing nothing like Roman times. It was completely secular then. There was evil, there was corruption everywhere. Everywhere. Hardly a sign of of light or hope anywhere. It was completely secular. There were no churches even at this point in history. There was just this small number of God-fearing and believing Jews over in ancient Israel in the way outer reaches of the Roman Empire. But that didn't stop God. That fact, that culture, did not stop our God. And don't think he'll be stopped today. Don't be discouraged by the times. Don't be discouraged by our day. Because God is in control of it. God's in control of all time. As God worked in the fullness of time, then he works today. He reigns, even when we don't always sense it. Even when it seems like evil is growing. Even when it seems like evil has the upper hand sometimes. God is in control of all time, of all history, of all nations, yes. And there's a special sense in which God is ruling and guiding and sovereign over his people. We talk about a couple phrases I want to introduce you to. You've probably heard them before. We talk about common grace. And that's the sense in which God's love and his blessing and his care are experienced by everybody in the whole world, all mankind. But then there's also what we call special grace. That's how God, in a special way, cares for those who believe. How God, in a special way, cares for his people. God provides special grace, saving grace to them. We see that from Adam and Eve, from the very beginning of the world's history, and on. And Luke reminds us of that in the next chapter, in chapter 3. You know how Matthew, the whole New Testament, starts out with this genealogy. There's a genealogy in Luke 3 also. Different from Matthew, which starts with Abraham, this genealogy goes all the way back to Adam. And that again shows us Luke's worldwide perspective. We find, when we look from Adam on throughout all of Scripture that God is working out world history for his people, for the church, for all who believe in a special way. God worked through the Roman Empire for a special purpose. If you go back in the Old Testament, you read about other great empires of, of the different times, like Egypt and Assyria and Babylon and Persia. And you see how God led his people through these great nations and world powers. In spite of the evil of these nations, in spite of their rejection of God, God was still in control. And he kept for himself a people. Though even those people, his people weren't perfect. They weren't any better in themselves from everyone else in the world. But yet he preserved them. He kept them close to him 
all for this day that we read about this morning, the time that we read here when he would bring his son into this world to bring Jesus, to bring salvation, so that everyone in the world, anywhere who would believe, could be part of his special saving grace, a grace that can be found in his son, born of Mary. And that is how you fit in this morning. That's how those times are your times. Galatians 3 tells us that all who are in Jesus, all who belong to Jesus, all who confess the name of Jesus, it says there they are Abraham's seed. And Abraham's seed, that's this whole history I was talking to you about. That's why those times, the times we read here, are your times. They are if you believe in Jesus. If you commit your life to him, those times are yours. Then God's special people, those are your people. You're part of that if you believe in Jesus today. People in this world, we identify ourselves in all sorts of different ways. And for you and for me, it's not about being Irish or, or Italian or Dutch that has significance. For you, it's not that you're a Republican or a Democrat. It's not even that you're an American that has significance. It's certainly not whether you're a Bears fan or a Packers fan or a Colts fan. That's not where you'll find your identity. It's that you're a child of God. You're in Jesus Christ. Then you too are Abraham's seed, says God's word. God is orchestrating all of history, everything in the world, for salvation, for his people, culminating in the coming of Jesus. And you're part of that if you believe in Jesus this morning. You are there. Those days are your days too. That time is your time. Christ's birth is for you. There's another thought that comes out of this, this Christmas morning. Just as in those days, God had time in his hands and you were part of that, your time is still in God's hands today. As God has ruled from the beginning of the world through to Jesus' birth, he does today. And he guides his church, he guides his people, his church everywhere around the world, amazing things are happening, and he's very much leading our church, Faith Christian Reformed Church, too. We've got overwhelming evidence of that going on in our midst. God's word is going out. His people are faithfully serving and caring for the least and the lost. We're gathering in his people. The same God who has orchestrated all of history is still doing so. The same God who brought Jesus to earth that night, he's your God today. He's still your God. In the good times in the bad times, all of the time. The time had come also refers very intimately to the time that Mary was ready to give birth. And it refers very personally, too, to the time that Joseph 
if he was like most fathers at the birth of a baby, was a nervous wreck. But they were in God's hands, weren't they? They were in God's hands. This isn't just about the world. This isn't just about world history. This isn't even just about the church and God's people everywhere and here today. As awesome as that all is, this is about you this morning, dear friends. This is about you and your life in your situation. Psalm 31, 5, 15. My times are in your hands. My times are in your hands. At the birth of a child and in the street gutter having a seizure and bleeding. In the marriage bed and during the loneliness of a divorce or a death. Having just graduated from school and celebrating a milestone and waiting for those test results, maybe yet again. Fully employed, loving your job, bringing in the money, and searching and hoping for a job or more hours. Your times are in God's hands, dear children of God. All of your times, today too, and always, whatever has come, whatever may come, and you know if you've lived a while, anything may come, anything may come, but you're in God's hands, and so am I. Now, what are you going to do with that today? That's the big question. That your times are in God's hands. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to make of this Christmas present? Kids are opening up presents. There's always that special one that they want. This is your special gift this Christmas day that I want you to have and I want you to receive. Your times are in the hands of God. What will you do with it? What will you do with it, though? Another way to ask that and another way to answer to say, what will I do with the times, the days that God has given me? Will, will I squander that time? Will I squander this gift? Will I toss it aside? Or will I cherish it? Will I do the most I can with this gift? And will we together as a church... I want to leave you today with those questions. I can't answer them for you, what you're going to do with your times. I leave you with them, but I, I'm not going to ask you to find the answer alone. You don't have to do it alone. Bring this before the Lord in prayer. Ask the very same Holy Spirit who overshadowed Mary, we read in Luke 1, so that Jesus would be born. Ask the same powerful, amazing, comforting, guiding Holy Spirit to help you. Pray something like this. Lord, I'm so thankful that I'm part of your great work in this world and in all of history. I'm so thankful that I am in Jesus. And I'm so thankful especially this Christmas, 
that my times are in your hands. And keep praying. Say, Lord, I know I couldn't make it on my own in this life or in death without that comfort and reality. Now, Lord, what would you have me do with the times that you've given me? How would you have me use this amazing gift that my times belong to you, that they're in your hands? Help me, Lord, to cherish this gift, to live it, to cherish it for all the days that you have for me until that great day at the end of time, Lord, when you scoop up into your hands all of your people and take them to be with you forever and ever. Hallelujah. Amen.